This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. During the past two years, enrollments at public schools across the United States have been dropping. According to some accounts, public schools have lost 2 million students since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. Meanwhile, homeschooling may have doubled and enrollments at charter schools seem to be on the rise. But how about Catholic schools? For some years, Catholic school enrollments have been sliding, and before COVID hit, projections for the future were pretty grim. But, says Kathleen Porter-McGee and her colleagues in a report just issued by the Manhattan Institute, Catholic enrollments rebounded in 2022. Kathleen Porter-McGee is the superintendent of partnership schools and an adjunct fellow at the Manhattan Institute. And I'm pleased to have Kathleen Porter-McGee with me today on the Education Exchange. Kathleen, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. It's great to be here. Well, Kathleen, I want to get you to your report. But first, let me ask you about your position as superintendent at partnership schools. Can you tell me a little bit about partnership schools? Absolutely. So we are um, a private school management organization, and we run urban Catholic schools now in two dioceses. We run seven schools in the Archdiocese of New York. So we have four in Harlem and three in the South Bronx. And then we have now four schools in the Diocese of Cleveland. So we run urban Catholic schools and turn them around and put them on the path to, we hope, long-term sustainability and academic excellence. And our arrangement is non-traditional. So we operate a little bit like a charter management organization, although obviously instead of running public charter schools, we run urban Catholic schools. And the way we, our arrangement with the diocese is unique. We essentially have a services agreement. So the schools we run remain diocesan schools. So they are still governed by canon law by the diocese, uh, Archdiocese of New York or the Diocese of Cleveland. But we have an agreement with them where they essentially turn over full management um, and operational authority of the schools. In exchange, we take on full financial responsibility and we are accountable to both our board and the diocese for you know, making good on the promises we've made to, to the communities. Well, do you hire the teachers then too? Yes, we do everything. We are in charge of, you know, hiring teachers, hiring principals, you know, enrollment, finances, curriculum. We are a full charge school management organization. So we run well, What's your policy on, on the teachers? You, you try to hire Catholic teachers or what's your policy there? Yeah, so for sure at the leadership level, so we have we have Catholic and non-Catholic teachers both. Obviously, I think the vast majority of our teachers in both dioceses are Catholic, in part because I think a lot of um, Catholic school teachers are kind of drawn, there's a bit of a calling to come teach in Catholic schools, particularly many of our veterans, but it's not a requirement, so we do have non-Catholic teachers. We have a lot of faith-filled teachers, both Christian, and we even you know, have some Muslim teachers. And so really people who are, who are drawn to the mission of education um, for, for reasons of, of values and, and faith as much as for academic excellence. Um, for our school leaders, uh, all of our school leaders right now are Catholic. So that's where we, it's really important to both our, our diocese and, and also to us to whenever possible um, to hire Catholic leaders because we know they, they become a, a faith leader and a spiritual leader of their school communities. So that sort of uh, raises a question that a lot of people bring up to me and they say, well, why should 
children go to a Catholic school? Why should parents send their kids to a Catholic school? What, what, aren't they doing the same thing as the schools that are run by the school districts? Well, I don't think so. No, I think that, well, I mean, they're doing some similar things, right? K, K-12 education has a lot of similarities from school to school, but I think there's a couple of really, really important differences. Obviously the biggest and most important difference is the role that faith and values play in Catholic schools. And I think that's not just an incidental difference. I think it's a really meaningful difference. So if you look at the track record of, of Catholic schools in the United States, they, they, they drive excellence in ways that almost defy the odds. They, they you know, students that go to Catholic schools uh, go on to college at greater rates. They graduate from college at greater rates. They go on even beyond college graduation to contribute more to their community, to give philanthropically. So there's something that's happening in a, in a Catholic school education that is kind of forming the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. And the fact that Catholic schools are able to do that explicitly um, without having to sideline conversations of, of faith and values, but rather because we can infuse them into everything we do, I think it really uh, it, it really sets you know sets our schools apart. Myself, I'm a product of, of Catholic education, kindergarten through college. Um, and, you know, I, I send my, my children to Catholic schools as well, and, and I see the difference that that, that faith and that values-driven approach to student formation, I, I see the, the impact that it can have on, on children. Well, I can see why a Catholic would want to send their children to a school that's teaching in the faith. But how about non-Catholic students, uh, families, a lot of Families who are not Catholic are sending their kids to Catholic schools, especially in cities. So is that, I mean, what's the case, what case do you make to those parents? I think they are still, we do, we have lots of students who are not Catholic as well. We welcome all children um, and all children participate in the full faith life of the school. They partic participate in religious education. Um, they attend masses. They do everything except for the sacramental preparation that we do. Um, and I think the reason, I think there are a number of reasons that, that parents seek out Catholic education, even if they themselves are not Catholic. One, I do think it is the, the faith and the values. So even if they aren't Catholic, they appreciate the explicitly values-driven approach to character development, the, the fact that we are teaching and can teach unapologetically and explicitly virtues and virtue development and values development, I think is something that parents are really drawn to. Um, I think also there is the community aspect. I think Catholic schools are, you know, first and foremost, we talk about them as faith communities, um, and that's because they are communities first and foremost. They're places where, you know, uh, children are, are seen, known, and loved, where they are safe, where they are really cared for, um, and, and I think parents, they see that, and they kind of can feel the, the difference that makes, and so I think they are drawn to the faith, even if it isn't because of because they're living out the faith in their life rather because that some of the values that that their children are being brought up in kind of match the values in the school. But Catholic schools have been losing enrollment for, you know, at least two decades, maybe longer. I mean, in fact, back in 1960, I think, uh, you know, 80% of all private school enrollments were Catholic, and that's this much less today. And so, 
why has there been such a decline in the percentage of students uh, going to Catholic schools and the number of students going to Catholic schools? It has been a slow and steady decline. You're absolutely right. From the peak in the 60s till, you know, roughly up until this year where we're hoping we're seeing a, a shift in the trajectory. I think there are a number of reasons that Catholic school enrollment has declined. I mean, one is that, um, I mean, it's a combination of a couple of things. So one, I think uh, particularly urban Catholic schools have struggled financially. So they've struggled to to you know, support their, their school communities, both because there's been um, a movement of, of Catholics out of urban areas. So where they used to be highly concentrated, now there are fewer. And so Catholic families have moved out. Parishes have become increasingly strapped and struggling to support the schools. I think that has had an impact on their ability to, to draw in and attract greater, greater numbers. I think also the demographic shifts we've seen the, the largest concentration of, of Catholic schools, particularly in the 60s, were in urban areas, kind of in the cities in the Northeast. And we've seen kind of a migration from, uh, particularly in the Catholic community, from those urban centers all around the country, but now increasingly in the South and, and even in the Southwest. So I think there's a demographic, demographic shift. I think there are financial challenges that the parishes themselves have faced. I think we've also seen kind of an increased secularization of America. So up until the 60s, the idea was if you were Catholic, you, you sent your kids to Catholic schools the same way if you lived in a neighborhood and you weren't Catholic, you sent your kids to public schools. It was just what everybody did. And I think increasingly as our, as our um, communities and our society has secularized a little bit, that draw hasn't been as explicit. And so people have have kind of voted with their feet and, and you know, sought out other, other options. So I think it's a combination of a bunch of different things. But there's also the cost of a Catholic education has escalated. I, I, I've looked at some of the data, I think back in the, the 20th century, you can go to school for maybe 5,000, 5, maybe even 3,000. And uh, now it's probably twice or three times that much. So. Isn't the rising cost of education one of the real challenges that you face? You know, it is. So it is a, it is a challenge we face from a sustainability standpoint, but not from a tuition standpoint. So the interesting thing is Catholic, I think there's a, when people talk about Catholic schools, that term Catholic schools actually encompasses a, a pretty diverse set of schools. There are um, private Catholic schools that are just as expensive as private non-Catholic schools. Some of them can be very, very costly. But then there are the traditional parish-based parochial schools, and those are really quite affordable. Um, I mean, if you if you have some means, obviously for for families that are living um, who qualify for a free and reduced price lunch or living below the poverty line, they are going to struggle to to scrape together any amount of, of money to send their children to Catholic schools. But for middle class, I think the the parochial schools still still are within reach. So if you look at the, the nine schools um, we run, the average cost to educate is less than half of what it is at, at charter schools or public schools. So in New York City- yeah, but that, Okay, so it's less than half to operate, but they're free. You don't have to pay anything to send your child there. And all of a sudden you got to pay 
you know, maybe ten thousand dollars to. So we to charge them. our published tuition is uh, our published um, uh, is about five thousand. So it's cost educated is about eleven five, and then the published tuition because most parish based schools are still subsidized in some way from philanthropy, but also from the parishes. So there have been efforts to keep the cost down. It's not free. Five thousand is still more than zero for sure. Yeah. So I think. Um... I think that's always a challenge. And of course, you know, Catholic schools got a lot of negative press with all these uh, sex scandals that broke back there. Uh, not so much anymore. I mean, a lot of other institutions are going through that same experience nowadays, but uh, Catholic schools were probably the first uh, to be targeted by these scandals. So uh, that's left a legacy too that's been hard to overcome, is, has it not? It definitely has. I mean, that obviously the sex abuse scandal in the church was devastating for the Catholic Church in general. Um, and there's no question that that it has it has had an impact on parent choices, but also on on you know the the ability of dioceses to to support and sustain Catholic schools. So it's it's been a tragedy. Well, we've been focusing on the long-term secular decline, but uh, this year is a big uh, exception, maybe the beginning of a turnaround, and that's what your report is all about. So tell me about the, uh, the, the rebooting of Catholic education that's uh, maybe in the, in the process. Yes, that's what we hope, right? So we saw in 2021, so the National Catholic Education Association, I partnered with a co-author, Annie Smith, who is the um, who heads up the data analysis for the National Catholic Education Association. And we were able to dive deep into the weeds of the, the 2021 Catholic school enrollment data to understand what happened. Um, and the great news is that this year, the enrollment is up for the first time in 20 years, which is amazing. There really just has been a slow and steady decline for a very long period of time. And 2021 marked, marked the first uptick in, in two decades. Um, and it could not have come uh, at a more important time because the first year of the pandemic actually marked the largest year over year decline in Catholic school enrollment in 50 years. And so where we were headed, if you talk to Catholic school leaders a year and a half ago when COVID first hit or two years ago when COVID first hit, we were extremely worried um, because it seemed like COVID might be the nail in the coffin for Catholic schools, particularly those that were struggling. Um, and this year, what we've seen is, is a rebound. So we, we looked across the data nationally. We also looked in each of the six regions of the country that NCEA tracks and every single region of the country had an enrollment rebound which to me says it's just the first of what we hope is a long-term trend. So it's too early to, to spike the ball. But to me, what it says is something very unique happened in Catholic schools in response to COVID. And as Catholic school leaders, we would be wise to take notice and to think about how we can build on that. So what do you think did happen? Why did it turn around? I mean, you don't, this doesn't happen very often that you see something reverse direction. So what's your explanation? So I think the, I think the biggest explanation, and it's hard to draw causal lines, but I think there's got to be a correlation between the fact that Catholic schools are really the only kind of system, K-12 education system that 
reopened in COVID sooner than anybody else. So if you look at the data, and the NCA tracked this as well, and I thought it was the most interesting data I came across. In September 2020, only 34% of public charter schools and only 43% of traditional public schools reopened for in-person instruction. But 92% of Catholic schools opened for either full-time in-person or hybrid instruction. And so that, I think, completely changed the game. Not immediately, but what you saw was this slow and steady drumbeat because it was September 2020, Catholic schools were open, nobody else was. And then as you marched through the year, I think parents increasingly saw, wait a second, the Catholic schools are open, they're managing to keep children safe, and those children are doing better from a social emotional standpoint, they're learning more because they actually get to be in school. Um, and public schools just continued to struggle to reopen. And if you look at some regions of the country where schools were closed for well over a year, um, I think that's where you saw some of the biggest jumps in enrollment. So I think that's the biggest story is the way the Catholic schools responded to, to the pandemic is has got to be connected to this. this so moment. why did Catholic schools remain open? Wasn't there advice from the CDC, the, the federal agency? Weren't they telling people to be concerned about that? And certainly, you know, the fact that a lot of states were telling the public schools they had to close district. I mean, closing schools was was very much what people were doing in the beginning of 2020. So this was really going against the grain. It was. And it was a scary time. Right. So and let me be clear, they in spring 2020. So March 13th, 2020. Um, that's the day that partnership schools closed because that was March 2020 when, all, when schools nationwide were shutting down. And we shut down for that spring in many cases because we had to. We had no choice because everything was shut down at the time period. Um, but it was September 2020 when they reopened. And why did they do that? I mean, I think there's a it, it's actually it's a it's a really important question um, because I think it tells us something about which schools um, are feel that kind of res responsibility or responsiveness to, to their communities. Um, and what I mean by that is, is not that other schools weren't, um, res like don't feel responsible to their communities, but rather like as Catholic school leaders, we know, because we've seen over the past 20 years, that if we are unable to serve our communities, our schools close. Like there is a direct connection. And so I think the urgency we all felt in that summer of 2020 to find a way to, to give children what we knew they needed and to give parents, particularly parents of essential workers, what we knew they needed, that urgency we felt because we've experienced that before. We've experienced that feeling of like people voting with their feet and our schools closing. And I think Catholic schools experienced that in a way that almost no other sector ever does. Well, how about the teachers at the Catholic schools? Were they resistant to coming back to work in September or did they say, yes, this is something we need to do? I mean, everybody was nervous. So I, I will never forget the summer of 2020. You know, it was a, it was a really scary time. Um, it was a, it was a scary time to be making these decisions because the truth of the matter was we can now look in hindsight and we can we can feel really proud of the work we did. But in August 2020, 
I know me personally, I didn't know I was making the right decision to reopen our schools. We were doing the best we could with the information we had. Um, we were putting in place all of the health and safety you know, precautions that the CDC was recommending, that the American Academy of Pediatrics was recommending. We were, I, I remember I, I met with um, any teacher that, that wanted to, to chat about reopening and to share their feel, feelings and, and their fears. And I, I met with you know, almost all of our teachers at one point or another. And the fear was palpable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, it wasn't exactly resistance. Like they weren't saying, I'm not gonna show up to school. It was just that real sense, that raw emotion of, of fear. Like, are we going to be able to do this safely? And this is where I think Catholic schools being a community first and foremost really helped. Um, I can't imagine having been at the time a large urban public school superintendent because you don't have that same connection to each individual school community. And so you can't provide that same reassurance. You don't know, you don't have the, the luxury of being able to know your teachers as, as sort of like well and be as connected to them. But in Catholic schools, the people making the decisions about reopening and about health and safety, like we had a personal connection to every person we were asking to come back. And I think that was, so we, it, it, it helped us kind of build that, that trust that they knew if they knew what we were going to be honest with them. We made a commitment that if, you know, if, if, if we learned something, we would communicate it to them right away. Um, and we made good on that commitment. And I think that trust building, that community building really, really went a long way. Well, I know that uh, my grandchildren were in public school in the summer uh, or the, the spring of 2020. And when the, Boston Public Schools announced they weren't going to open in the fall. Uh, their mother and father said, you know, I think we're going to send them to the local Catholic school. And so they made a big fundamental change and uh, they've never regretted it. Mm -hmm. uh, but they weren't particularly uh, nervous about it either, because already by that summer, we knew that children were not being affected very seriously by COVID. Yes, there were some incidents, but they were few and far between. So did you ever have any, you know, breakouts or major scandals or major events that, oh, Catholic schools are really spreading COVID uh, kinds oh. of stories coming out? None at all. Um, and that was what was amazing. And we didn't know that, right? So again, on the first, I remember saying to, to our team the, the day before the first day of school, I said, even if we have to close on the second day of school, we are opening on the first day of school. Because once you've reopened, you never have to have that conversation again about, are we going to reopen? Because you did it once. So we reopened on the first day of school. And we under we felt very, in, in a very real and raw way that, um, we might have an outbreak and we might have to shut down and, and we knew that that could be coming. Um, it's not that we never had a case, but we never had, especially in that, in that year, in the 2020, 21, 21 school year, we never had any evidence of spread within the school building. So everything we had done to mitigate the spread of COVID was pretty darn effective. Um, you know, we did, you know, put fans, we opened the windows and put fans in the windows. We let, you know, we let children bring sweaters and sweatshirts to, to school in case they got chilly. We, everybody was, was mask wearing at the time, you know, we, we put all, and then we had, you know, at the time contact tracing. So everything in place, um, 
the combination of, of it all did help uh, to help us prevent any kind of any kind of outbreak. So um, we feel in hindsight really fortunate and really lucky. So to switch the topic slightly, how important do you think the various programs that have come along in recent years, like the school vouchers, the tax credits for uh, to, for fellowships for low-income kids to go to a uh, private school. Education savings accounts are now arriving on the scene. Uh, are, are these important new programs of value to Catholic education? 100%. I mean, I think that, and we did, we actually took a look at this in the, in the Manhattan Institute report. We took a look at the impact of access to voucher tax credit programs and, and Catholic school enrollment. And it's hard to parse all of the nuances with the data we had access to, but what we did find is that um, public funding for private education has a stabilizing effect on Catholic school enrollment, which is what you would expect. So when parents are able to you know, bring, um, particularly low-income parents, when they're able to bring government support to choose the school um, that they want for their child, uh, Catholic schools are able to, to benefit from that. And we saw that personally. So partnership schools, it's interesting because we run schools in a non-choice state, New York, and also in a choice state, Cleveland. And we actually expanded, we got, the, we got word from the bishop and signed an agreement to expand to Cleveland in February, 2020. If you can imagine a more complicated time to start planning expansion, which meant we formally took over for our, our flagship Cleveland schools, our first two schools in the summer of 2020. And so when we reopened the doors in Cleveland, 100% of the residents in the city of Cleveland have access to the vouchers. And we had parents driving by our school and they saw kids playing in our playgrounds and they literally pulled off the road and they said, cause CMSD, the Cleveland public schools were not open. And they said, are your schools open? And we said, yes, we are. And you are welcome. And our enrollment increased by 40% in that basically in our first like two months in operation in Cleveland. And I think that that massive increase in, in enrollment in Cleveland was because of the voucher, because all of those parents, they didn't have to, you know, because these are 100% of the parents that we serve um, in, in Cleveland live below the poverty line and they didn't have to figure out the finances. They could just make that decision that they knew was in the best interest of, of their kids. And that, it obviously has an impact, particularly, I think, for the, the families who right now at this stage where we are, our country is in terms of academic achievement, the parents who most need that choice. So where are we going in, in the Ohio situation, the Cleveland? Uh, you see this uh, enrollment increases. Is that continuing? Uh, you mentioned this spurt over a very short period of time, but how is it over the longer run? So for our first two schools, we increased by 40% and we were able to maintain that increase into our second year, which is exactly what we'd wanna see. Um, we're actually expanding in Cleveland. We just added two more schools right now. So we're looking forward to growing our enrollment there as well. I will say in New York this past year in, in 2021, we were also able to increase our enrollment by 15% there. So we're seeing it across the board, slightly more dramatically in Cleveland than in New York. But I think there is a moment for Catholic educators, for those of us who are really trying to change the trajectory of urban Catholic schools, we have a moment right now. I think there is more hunger on behalf of parents for school choice than, than at 
any time in the recent past. Um, and I think we have an opportunity as Catholic school leaders, if we seize it and if we act now, um, to make this rebound turn into a long-term growth. Well, how about charter schools? Charter schools have, you know, now got six, 7% of enrollments in the country. They're free. Uh, mm -hmm. They are independent, quite not completely, but, you know, they have a lot of autonomy. Uh, are they a powerful competitor to the Catholic? schools yes particularly in some cities so in and this is another interesting difference between new york and cleveland so new york is probably one of the most competitive new york city is probably one of the most competitive charter school landscapes in the country and we feel that explicitly um we know we have we have to bring our a game every day in new york which we love i'm a huge supporter of charter schools i'm a huge supporter of school choice broadly um and so I welcome, I think it's important for Catholic educators that we welcome the competition. But in New York, we have to bring our A game because we're competing for students against the you know, most well-known and top performing charter networks in the country. I will say here in 2021, um, we were able to compete quite favorably and we're able to drive enrollment increases because I think that the true independence and autonomy that Catholic schools had really became obvious during COVID. Because in New York City, many of the charter schools who I'm sure would have loved to have opened if they could, couldn't get access to their buildings because the pub, their public school buildings that they operated and the public schools wouldn't allow them to operate schools in their building. We don't need to ask permission from anybody else to do that. If we want to open, we have the authority and autonomy to do that. And I really feel like if COVID showed us anything is that we need choice to include both government sponsored choice, but also non-government options. So you would see the, the best solution to be having charter schools, but also education savings accounts, tax credits, school Absolutely. the range of choice options that some states are doing, but not too many yet. It's a, still a work in progress for sure. It is a work in progress. We're fighting very hard. Uh, I know in New York is, a, is one of, because New York is a Blaine Amendment state, it's one of the most, it's one of the most challenging environments to fight for school choice. But we are, I am um, cautiously optimistic that if we keep at it, we'll start to make some, some progress. Well, this summer we had a decision by the Supreme Court, Carson v. Macon, which ruled that uh, religious schools must be included in um, any kind of government uh, um, choice program. So do you think this is just a little main story or is this a big story? Is this a, does this have nationwide significance? I think it has nationwide significance, not because it's going to change the landscapes of vouchers immediately, but rather because it starts to chip away at the idea of Blaine amendments. So right, if, if the Blaine amendments are the you know, the state constitutional amendments that say that state money cannot flow to religious schools. What Carson v. Macon said is that is not true. That is a violation of the free exercise clause. And so I think that its significance is in as much as it helps to chip away at, at, at states like New York who have prohibited any money from any ever going to, to religious schools. And so I'm hopeful for that reason. I don't expect in places like New York, it's going to lead to you know, a complete reversal of fortunes with vouchers and tax credits passing. Um, but again, I'm hopeful that between some 
work that's happening at the federal level to try to get some tax credit legislation passed and also to some continued efforts at the state level that we'll see, we'll see slow and steady progress. Well, so let me ask you to conclude, uh, are you hopeful about the future? I mean, the trends before the most recent turnaround were pretty grim and lots of schools were on the verge of closing. Um, how do you feel about it? How do you feel? What's the future like? Do you, are you hopeful or are you pessimistic? I am always hopeful, but I'm an eternal optimist, particularly when it comes to K-12 Catholic education. I, I believe um, uh, I believe in the power and potential of, of Catholic education. I've seen it firsthand, but I've also seen it sort of society-wide. And I genuinely believe that um, we have been, after, after years of, of pessimistic stories, we have been recognized in a way that Catholic school educators long deserved. And I believe we have a moment. I believe that diocesan leaders need to seize the opportunity. So I am hopeful, but I think the push right now is, is to really figure out how we can think outside the box and think about new ways to support and sustain Catholic schools. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kathleen. I've been speaking with Kathleen Porter-McGee, Superintendent of Partnership Schools and an adjunct fellow at the Manhattan Institution. She is co-author of a new report released by the Manhattan Institute entitled Catholic School Enrollment Boom During COVID. So thank you, Kathleen, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks so much for having me. I liked it. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new podcast released on the Education X website every Monday at noon Eastern time.